So, each uh, year, we've done this for 13 years, where we have a little season where we talk about our values. And nobody's noticed, but we haven't done it this year. Uh, and our values have been so helpful to us. They've been a kind of another form, I guess, of trellis. That when we first started, some of you won't even know this story, but we were two churches. There was a church that met here. There was a church that met down at Gloucester Place. And we decided to join together to keep both of our buildings, to do as much as we could out of those buildings. And the joining together was in the hope that we would flourish together. And I think we have. And we've done it rather than just in random ways. We kind of said, well, let's, let's not sort of state what we're going to do or what kind of church we're going to be. But actually, let's talk about the values. And we had, it was such fun, actually, back in those days to go, to pull together these values, to talk to one another, to listen to each other. And basically, out of a period of listening and talking, we came out with these five values that we still talk about today, that kind of shape who we are and what we do. And we've never had a, a mission statement as a church that we want X amount of people, we want this amount of giving, we want to reach this target group, and we want to have, have this kind of shape or size of our buildings or anything. What we've said is, let's just be faithful to living right, and we think that will take us to the right destinations. Sometimes you have a destination in mind and you behave in terrible ways in order to get there. We want to behave in right ways and not care too much about the destination. And that's been the story of this church. Who could have guessed that we would be like this today sitting here? Who could have guessed our projects like Chomp and our coffee training stuff and the stuff that's happening out at Rock Farm and the 101 other things that are done and inspired by this community, other kind of uh, friends of ours who have started these incredible projects in the city like Just Life and like Restore and like all of these beautiful things that are happening in the city and we're kind of connected with it and interconnected in their story somehow. And it's been such a brilliant time to do that because I think we've done our best to stay to our values. So today, uh, Sam and I are going to do a f four three-minute talks. And that's why we've got the um, timer. Because if Sam goes over the time, you can throw your shoes at him, okay? <laughs> if I go over time, it's because you're really interested and I... <laughs> I'm picking up the vibe that you want to carry on. Um, so, um, so we're going to try. But this year, what we wanted to do was to say, if this thing about travelling through the seasons has any sort of credence and value to it, it has to somehow work with our values. And I think it works really easily. But we're just going to help us to think about that. And so we'll talk through what our five values are. The fifth value we have is integrity. And Sam and I aren't going to do that three-minute talk. You are, okay? Because I want you to begin thinking. As Sam talks about intimacy, and I talk about involvement, and Sam talks about inclusion, and I talk about interdependence, we want you to think, what in nature inspires us about integrity? What can we learn from nature about integrity? And so when we get to the fifth one, we're going to come around and just a sentence might just be a word, just a thought. What can we learn from nature about integrity? But let's start by thinking about what we can learn from nature around intimacy. Thanks, Sam. Are you going to time me? I'm definitely going to time you. Yeah. <laughs> it's ticking away. Do you want me to start? 
Okay, go. Okay, you won't find too many churches that don't have, as something that they say they care about, um, something about our relationship with God. Like, there's something about that that's a part of the project of what we do. It's kind of, in a sense, it's completely non-controversial. But also, um, one of the things that we try and foster in our church is a kind of an, a bit of an openness to doubt and an openness to the, to the unknown. Some people come to this church and they're not sure. Do I, do I even believe in God? Maybe I don't believe in God at the moment, or maybe I'm not sure, maybe I don't believe some of the stuff that I think was taught to me about. So anyway, there's a kind of complexity around intimacy with God um, that we want to hold together and we want to hold the breadth of that. But seasonally, how does this tie in? Well, um, I was thinking about this and I think that I tend to come to this question with a degree of awkwardness because this is not a good way of doing it. Um, (laughs) Because when I ask this question, what can I learn about the season, from the seasons about my relationship with God, what I tend to do is kind of separate them off. Because in my mind, relationship with God is something that is entirely non-physical. Entirely like, so like the nature is over there, but God is kind of over there. So I can do the nature thing as much as I like, but my relationship with God will always be something other. Does that make sense? Um, and I think I want to challenge that question. I want to challenge my interpretation of that question. Um, Because one of the things we we like to talk about is that actually it's bad theology to say that God is somewhere else and not in nature. That God is kind of outside so that in some way I can relate to nature and then maybe learn lessons about God from nature. So like, you know, light shines through the darkness of the tree canopy. God shines into my life through the dark parts. That's what I tend to do. But no, God is present in that moment where the light is shining through the tree canopy. Simple as. And there's this beautiful reality that engaging with the seasons doesn't become a separate project to engaging with the God who is present because God is in all things and present in all things. God is presencing God's self to us as a gift in the air that we breathe, in the sun that shines through the windows, in the, in the, in the autumn, in the turning of winter, in all of it. God is being present to us. And so, as we go on this season, we can rest confident that you don't need to journey with the seasons and then try and force lessons about God that you then take into your quiet time locked away in your room. As we do this journey, we are are journeying with the divine present in all things. Does that make sense? Intimacy with God. Well done. (laughs) Don't, right. Someone I could trust who's holding it. So, (laughs) intimacy with God, involvement in the world. We often say that as a church, this is one of our strengths. And I think it really has been. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I think some of our desire about our in-swing and looking out for another has potentially impacted a little bit of our involvement. And I think we are coming into a season where we're going to become more involved again in the world. In Genesis chapter 2, in the second account of how the world was made before the fall, I don't know if you know this, but God says that he took Adam and put him in a garden and asked him to work it and take care of it. Before the fall, there was work to do. And our work was to be good stewards, to look after, to work it and take care of it. What a tragic job we are doing at the very first thing God asked of humanity. Take care of it. 
When we think about nature and our involvement, we could easily spend a lot of time and it would be very good involvement around taking care of the world. But actually, within the world are people. And what does it mean to be a good steward, not just of the natural world, where we care for what God has given us, this beautiful gift? And I do believe this. I think there is a mandate that we are different to the rest of creation. Why? Because we're asked to make the world better than it even is. Isn't that mind-blowing? What exists there already, we can work with it. If we listen to it and we understand it and we know it and we love it, we can actually bring about its flourishing. There is a good argument about rewilding and letting nature just do its thing. That is going to be good and the world would be very well balanced if that was the case. But our part that we should be doing is saying, how can we bring about flourishing in every single thing? In the natural world around us, how can we make it flourish? How can we make it be what it is meant to be? And how do we make each other flourish? As one church, we should be about human flourishing. Having the eyes to see where the world is not as it was intended to be and fighting for justice and bringing about fairness and seeing where there are people who are isolated and alone and they're not made to be that way. And you can do your part of involvement, taking that inspiration from the natural world that somehow supports each other, that doesn't overcompete with each other, that allows all things to flourish. Imagine a forest or a garden, actually when it's at its most beautiful, is each part is flourishing individually. And in its individual flourishing, it's allowing the flourishing of all things. So let's be involved in the way it's just finished. It's <laughs> in the way that uh, nature shows us of involvement. Next up, inclusion. Um, this is, I think... It's my natural favorite of our values. Inclusion is about how we want to be as a church in terms of making room for each other and particularly making room for the people who might normally find being in a church not easy or would have been actively excluded um, or have been kept out by whether it's like the opinions of a church um, or, or just like accessibility, like how easy it is to be in a space with the needs and the way that you are. Um, it's a massive one. Um, one of the things that I really have been thinking, that I think I love, I say that, I've only thought that this week, um, about the seasons, is how in the way that the world works, there's kind of this built-in thing where monopolies are kind of broken. Um, like as the summer gives way to the autumn, and as the autumn gives way to the winter, and as the winter gives way to the spring, what's happening as we move around the sun is there's constantly this space that is forced open for new things to happen and for the next thing to happen. Like if there was just one season, and, and I don't think there's anywhere in the world it's quite just always has one season. There's always these variations. If there was just that, it would be so easy for, for just monopolies to happen. And monopolies are not healthy. They're not healthy in an ecosystem. They're not healthy for our planet. They're not healthy to express the beauty of the divine givenness in the diversity of creation. And what we see in those creation narratives that Dave talked about earlier is this wonderful diversity. And I think as we move around the sun, we can learn the lessons from not just what is worse about the autumn than the summer, like we were talking about earlier. Um, actually, the summer makes room for the beauty of autumn. How, is, how are we as church 
going to make room for the beauty that we might not otherwise see? And how do we break the monoculture that, in fact, would happen if it was just Dave and I talking all the time, like we're doing this morning, Um, but all the way through? And a part of that will be using the chances to express your creativity. A part of that will be, hey, come and let us know. If you feel like the church is not making space for this part of me or for this group of people, please, please let us know and help to be the, the, the change in that. Um, I've gone under time. Is that okay? You'll have... What? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that's not how it's going to work. Um, but that, I think that's basically what I, say, what I want to say about inclusion. Seasons make space. Let's make space. Good. Done. Thank you, Sam. What a brilliant point. What a brilliant thing to think about. And finally, from us anyway, interdependence. This should be an easy one because the natural world has this incredible symbiotic nature with one another. John Muir famously said, and he's often misquoted, so let me get his quote right. He said, when we try to pick out one thing by itself, we find it hitched by a thousand invisible threads to everything else in the universe. Isn't that a beautiful thing? People and things. When you pick them out and try to rip them away, you find actually we are all connected. I just was passing by our living room and the TV was on the other day and the weather was just, be, was just finishing and the weather person was doing their handover thing and they were talking about the hurricane that's going to be around in the Caribbean and how that's bringing us a burst of cold weather. And the person being handed over to said, wow, isn't that incredible? That, that you know, something all the way is going to affect us. And the weather person just said, we're all connected. And I was, wow, (laughs) that's interdependence. We are all connected. And the quicker we wake up to that and stop pretending that we're islands who don't need each other, the better. The natural world is beautiful and brilliant, but it is not perfect. None of it is perfect. My friend Jojo put this on her Facebook the other day, and I asked her to nick it. There's just something so beautiful about this picture. It's terrible quality on there. It's nicer up there, actually. But... uh, um, I was going to say, I don't know where this is. I do know where it is. But there's just, it's so appealing. Who doesn't want to go for a little walk down that path? It's not because everything is the same. If you were to zoom in and zoom in and zoom in, firstly, you'd see how much variation, how much biodiversity there is in that picture. It's why it's appealing. If it was just two lawns either side, there's something magical that just makes me want to go to that spot because of the biodiversity. But if you zoomed in even further you'd find that there's stuff in that picture there that is dying. There's stuff in that picture there that has disease. There's stuff in that picture there that isn't perfectly as symmetrical as maybe the flower could be or the leaf could be. Every one of them have little imperfections. But when you zoom out and see the whole thing, it's just beautiful. And that's the true symbiotic relationship that we have with one another. All of us are imperfect. None of us have it together, but somehow together we have it. There's this beautiful image, even in this room, this teeny little speck of humanity that we are. But if I, from my perspective, looking at you right now, we are beautiful. We're beautiful. I don't need to zoom in on the individual and analyse your faults, because actually together, when we live together, and the most profound statement about interdependence that we see in the world is, I need you. And you need me. 
And that is the way that the world works. We're going to watch a little piece of of video just to buy you a bit of time to think about integrity. What can we learn from the natural world in integrity? And um, Tony, if you can give this as much welly as as you can. Um, Some of you might have heard of Jacob Collier. Has anyone heard of Jacob Collier? Oh, a few people. I bet every one of you is a musician because he's he's a musician's geek. But he's sort of a genius. And this kind of explains itself. But just enjoy these few minutes of this.
I don't know uh, why that makes me feel so emotional. It's just a bunch of half-pissed people probably at Brixton Academy. <laughs> None of them professionals. The, the, the notes stayed the whole time. And you go, well, how are they breathing? Well, because some were taking a breath at a different moment. Others were taking a breath. How were they all so pitch perfect? Well, none of them were probably pitch perfect. But between them, they found the perfect pitch. And that's an image of us as a church. None of us have got perfect pitch. We all make mistakes. But there is something profoundly beautiful about when we do stuff together. And without ruining a beautiful kind of image, but my image is of Christ, who is the head of the church, who with a great big smile on his face wants to orchestrate us to sound and be beautiful together. And he doesn't need beautiful, pitch-perfect, trained singers. He just needs people who are willing to give the breath, willing to give your breath and yourself and your body and the gifts that you've been given. And together, we can sound, and we do sound, beautiful. And that's the kind of image of interdependence and that we see in the world. That the most beautiful sunset is a whole load of complexities that are bringing to us a beautiful whole. Okay, before the kids join us, integrity. The reason we gave you this one is because Sam and I couldn't think of anything. No, that's not quite true. <laughs> but any thoughts? What do we learn from nature about integrity? Anybody going to be brave? Abundance and yet a lack of waste. Brilliant. Abundance and a lack of waste. There is enough in the world, isn't there? There is enough. That's what the world teaches us. I'm going to go James and then Mark. It's kind of an easy one, I think. It's that um, connection between identity and activity that is unbroken. You know that 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 you know they that in nature, and you see it in little kids as well. You know they just do what they were made to do. You know, there's no that kind of unashamed connection between who they are and what they do. Brilliant, perfect integrity. Thank you. I think something about accepting our seasonality and. Um, being aware that sometimes we'll be full and abundant trees and sometimes we'll be the winter trees and, and accepting that sort of stage of life and working in that and not trying to be a different season. Brilliant. Really helpful. I think similar to what was said, I think just by um, being who we are, uh, we are giving glory to God. So like the um, one animal isn't necessarily comparing itself to another, thinking, oh, I w wish I was living that animal's life. It's simply by being, we're giving glory to God. This brings to mind that Thomas Merton quote, isn't it? The apple glorifies God by being an apple. And Irenaeus, who said, the glory of God is a person fully alive. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's all you have to be, alive and fully you. And you're going to give glory to God. Anything else? just kept thinking of the image of a, a tree trunk sawn through and just seeing the rings and it's something about the solidity of a of the wood through the trunk and the years of seasons that that have sort of you know make that wood what it is yeah that is a lovely image isn't it those rings represent kind of death and new life and death and new life and giving up and going again yeah thank you brilliant any female voices 
Um, integrity is consistency in terms of when the seasons come, they're going to do what they're going to do, and the leaves are going to fall in autumn, and they're going to do that every year, and they don't decide whether or not they feel like it in the moment. Thank you. That was one Sam and I came up with. That's a brilliant thing. That these things will happen, and that is a form of integrity. Doing the things that you say you're going to do, being there, that following, that beautiful thing.